My name's Andrew Belletti and I'm talking still with Todd Williams. Um, uh, A.K.A. Stan Stockton. <laughs> and we're just going to talk about an unreleased uh, demo tape that we did. Um, 85? 85, yeah. 86 maybe? No, not 85, that late. No, 85, 85, yeah. Um, yeah, and, um, you know, I've got hold of those through um, Todd's brother, Cal, who was the guitarist in the band. Yeah. So the, the very first track uh, is called Flaming Speargrass. We always were uh, conscious of the fact that we were on Indigenous country and um, we actually invited a, a um, female Yadaki player to record uh, the, the the song itself um led beautifully into uh, Shadow Set of Free, um, Min Min. Um, and uh, we used to, to uh, you know, do that live, go from one, that track into, into Min Min. Um, and uh, yeah, what else can I say about that? That's about all. By Michael Wyatt, um, uh, who was uh, working as a pilot at that time, flying uh, light aircraft, and he actually ended up flying or co-piloting a DC-3 between Darwin and the um, the Tiwi Islands uh, for Air North, um, and uh, he had met a lot of uh, people um, uh, in his in his uh, time. Then he was only learning the guitar himself uh, at that stage, um, and uh, it was a very very powerful live song. Um, I played um, harmonica on it at that time and, you know, I remember the song being such a cracker live. It just got 
everyone up on their feet um, and uh, a really, really kind of strong song. Channel Center Free! Michael and I. Um, Michael had originally written it from the point of view as of a of a, 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 a female who was hooked on heroin and was blagging out. Um, and um, we were encouraged by uh, Andrew McMillan, the producer, to go. Well, yeah, you should write it really something about the the, the top end. So Michael took it away and. Uh, uh, started writing about um, the uh, the onset of a cyclone, um, and uh, I, I think the first line is mine: um, "The weather is melting another quite beautiful day," which um, in the top end people know about because the, the, every day starts off beautiful and then um, it becomes so bloody hot, especially in the wet season. So um, we uh, talk about um, the. Uh, cyclone uh, approaching, uh, the cyclone actually hitting um, the city and what's that like, and then uh, what the aftermath is. We counted the people and counted the telegraph poles, um, and uh, that worked really, really well in a, in a live um, uh, situation too because uh, my brother Cal just literally uh, played up a storm um, as the cyclone came through and, um, yeah, it was, it was just great to play live.
Michael, um, and it's a two-chord song. Uh, goes from A minor to uh, D minor to A, just all the way through. Um, a bit of a, a, a silly song, really. Is it, it doesn't have any uh, the the, the uh, words don't have that much depth for me, but they did capture a lot of people's imagination because iced coffee um, was. And I think still is to a certain extent. I really that outsold Coca Cola in the Northern Territory. I used to have one every lunchtime at high school, um, and um, it was a great song to play uh, live. Um, and we did a recording of this song um, at a at a very very kind of bass recording, um, and uh, we somehow um, got together a. a with a filmmaker who shot our performance of it at the amphitheatre supporting Australian Crawl, I think. Um, Dragon, we were, maybe. Dragon, yeah, one of those bands. Um, we, we supported them and he shot it on film and uh, he had a 16 mil camera. Um, he, uh, Steve Biggs was his name um, and uh, another fellow called Albert Kuman, um, who I'd gone to high school with, did a series of animations uh, for the song and it got put together by uh, Mark Nudson at um, Channel 8 at the time and it was uh, put together there. So we didn't have a recording contract. We only had this song. Um, it was made into a film clip, but we sent the film clip off to the ABC um, and the show um, Rock Arena, hosted by Susan Dowling, her of the Big Hoop Earrings. Um, it used to be a show on Tuesday evenings at 10 o'clock um, that used to showcase some really kind of cool music from around the world. Somehow we ended up on Rock Arena um, 
as I said, we didn't have a contract. We had, you know, we were just this kind of very much an outlier from the Northern Territory. Um, and the clip itself is a really good clip. It's beautifully edited. Um, and the song, the recording of the song was great. Um, and uh, it, it did help us um, get us a bit of a profile because, you know, Film Lips was so important to represent a band um, and there were some really, really um, great shots of us jumping off the the rocks at East Point, um, Marvin, the uh, Blue Healer, um, and it was, uh, uh, a lot of it was shot um, at a manager's house in uh, in Down, which was uh, one of the few pre-war buildings that were still uh, around. That house still exists today. He still owns it, um, and uh, designed by C. G. B. Burnett uh, in 1936 or something like that. Um, and so it was. It had a really great Darwin feel, uh, and um, uh, um, and it still stonkers me how we even got on to. Um, Rock Arena, when it was actually screened on that night, we had a bit of a party to see it live and we were just so stoked to uh, suddenly have, to be uh, on the same uh, show as uh, people like the Go-Betweens and Public Image Limited, May the Road Raise You. <laughs> um, so we just, you know, it, was, it gave us a lot of encouragement to think that, yes, we could um, be amongst the best. Thank you. 
was a song um, that was very, very topical at the time and it's still topical now because it was about um, Aboriginal people uh, being humbugged by um, uh, mining companies to mine on their land. Um, and at that time, uh, mining companies were uh, permitted to uh, approach traditional owners to uh, present them, uh, like, oh, we want to mine in your land. And if the traditional owners... Um, uh, said no, they weren't allowed to ask them again. With I think I remember it was five years or ten years, um, but the, just the persistence of uh, these multinational um, mining companies to uh, come in and um, really harangue um, uh, traditional owners to uh, uh, mine on their lands, which if you talk to a lot of traditional owners, it's almost the di direct opposite of what they want on their country because it's you know, to mine, to dig it up, to disrupt it, to pull the guts out of, of the, the, the country. Um, we know that, um, you know, the most famous example of that is Ada Yedekala um, where um, uh, Nabalco. Nabalco came in and w with the federal government's um, support, uh, established a mine there against the uh, the wishes of the the traditional owners. The traditional owners still got royalties, but they didn't like what was happening. Uh, to get uh, bauxite from the site, it meant taking the top meter and a half of country. It wasn't underground pit; it was just taking the the top meter and a half, and it's like peeling off the skin of a body, um, and how physically horrendous that is. That was ex exactly how they felt. That's why they um, signed the. Uh, they presented to Parliament the um, Bark Petition. Uh, it's still hanging in the old Parliament House um, to this day. Um, Gallery Unapingu, as a young man who was about nineteen or twenty at the time, was um, him and his father and uh, Roy Marika um, were all signees to this, um, and it was just like the injustice of. Uh, Countrymen being overridden um, by mining companies uh, and as we know there's a whole slew of um, legacy mines which have just, you know, once the mining companies have been, they just leave a total mess. Uh, the, 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 the water's poisoned, the land's are disrupted. Yeah, that was written in 1985 and things still the same, um, still the same.
poetry was written when we were uh, on tour in we were living in Sydney for six months and trying to crack the industry and uh, we felt um, uh, you know, we felt homesick and definitely you know, during that winter in, in Sydney it was cold and as territory top end boys having to wear shoes all day it's like having to wear shoes because it was cold it was just a revelation you know we were, we were kind of thongs or bare feet uh, kind of people um, so um, the uh, the song the, uh, the the main chorus goes Northern Territory Northern Territory North of the border South of the sea keep all your winters far away from me you'll find me living in the Northern Territory um, and the choruses um, address aspects of uh, of territory life. It talks about mining. It talks about tourism. Uh, it talks. It was written in the same year um, as the bicentenary, and uh, we had witnessed firsthand. We took part in the march from Redfern down to uh, down to Circular Quay. With the first with um, Australia Day invasion day big survival uh, yeah i don't know what it was called in those days yeah but. um it was it was it was massive uh, protest against um the celebration of what in effect in, in effect was um a, a celebration of the beginning of um uh, a massive disruption to aboriginal life and culture and land um and to have all these white fellas just dancing on the graves, as Paul Kelly put it, um, uh, was just awful. Um, so, you know, part of the, the verses is like, uh, so don't you celebrate because examination is due time to question everything that we do. Um, Northern Territory, um, it's a very up-tempo, happy-sounding song um, that just always was a killer on stage it was um you know, my brother cal wrote a beautiful riff for it um cal and i principally wrote the song and um it was um uh to this day um something that uh, i'm really proud of actually because it, it's a uh, you know we, we used to call it heroes the unofficial national anthem of the northern territory you know um and yeah put your left hand over your right heart you know um and we'd go into the song and people would just jump up and dance and um it was one of our, our biggest songs um but it had a lot of serious messages in it as well um it was fun but it was serious as well <laughs> Border and 
Lipton um, came, uh, Michael wrote this song, uh, well, I actually contributed it too, but it was essentially Michael's song um, after an incident where uh, someone deliberately left a flagon of, of, uh, of wine um, laced with strychnine on the um, Todd Riverbed for it to be found by countrymen who were just camping on, on the Todd Riverbed. Someone to have murderous intent to um, leave uh, poisoned uh, strychnine um, and I think two people died from that um, and a lot of people got very, very sick and almost died. Um, it was a very kind of very serious um, uh, issue uh, f for us to put in a song but um, it uh, it resonated uh, ended up being on a compilation called Building Bridges in 1988 um, alongside you know, Oil and NXS and everyone and that was kind of uh, very humbling for that to be in that company. <laughs> formed um, at my brother's block. Uh, he had a 20-acre uh, block in Humpty Doo. It's part of what's known as the Solar Village, um, which was an experimental um, group of blocks where they uh, shared resources such as uh, you know, backhoe and or um, uh, um, water tanks and, and uh, materials to try and live um, with... Uh, you know, way be before their time in a way that was um, uh, not on the grid. They used their own water, their own power, generate their own power and so on. 
Um, but yeah, Cal had a block down at, at the, the the Solar Village, and we used to go down there and uh, and jam around a campfire under his in, in his in his shed. That's where we started really coalescing as a band um, and uh, writing songs. Um, and Humpty Doo was a, a fun song because um, if you want to put it in terms of hillbillies without hills, um, we played up on that idea of all these rural people, these blockies, um, being a bit mad, growing their own dope, um, uh, you know, being uh, in touch with kangaroos, you know, they they were just more in, you know, they were living a different kind of life. And um, and it was a a very one-two kind of beat. So uh, immediately very, very simple song uh, musically, uh, but with funny lyrics. And uh, the song got faster and faster and then it just broke down and then it got faster and faster again. And uh, in a live setting, um, that was uh, a real uh, real popular song. And probably the one I remember the most, the performance of that wasn't actually by the Sprum Jockeys, it was by Midnight Oil. When on the second last or the last night of, the, of that tour that we did with Minot Oil, um, Pete Garrett invited Michael on stage to sing it with them um, as, as they thanked us for being their support um, f- for that. Um, and that was, that, was, that was very fun. Oh, Humpty Doo. Oh, I'm needed. Oh, I'm needed. 
Stand Below was uh, written by Michael um, after uh, two young uh, station workers died after their car broke down in the middle of nowhere um, and um, again it showed the schism between um, white knowledge um, and Aboriginal knowledge of the land. These boys uh, were inexperienced in the country um, and um, suffered you know, their deaths mainly due to the fact they didn't know how uh, in an emergency situation to survive um, their situation. Um, and uh, and it was really all about um, if if they had um, knowledge from the traditional people, they may have survived their ordeal, but they died. And it was a terrible. It was a really well known story at the time, and and uh, yeah, it was ostensibly about the 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 difference between blackfellas and whitefellas in that situation. <laughs> Motive um, was a song that really uh, came back from uh, my f- when I was thirteen and um, at Nightcliff High before the cyclone, um, when uh, a member of the Motlop family challenged me to a fight, um, and I was a skinny, weedy, very white boy, 
uh, and the fight went nowhere because I went, what, what? And he just kind of looked at me and said, oh, I'm not going to get much satisfaction here. <laughs> he just walked <laughs> off. But uh, it, it was really um, yeah, addressing um, how that those kind of situations arise between kind of um, uh, especially teenagers and older men too and it tends to be you know, men and boys who get into these scuffles and so on um, to either make a name for themselves or a, a power play or maybe because you're a bit of a smart-ass. And I don't recall being a smart-ass in this situation. I just remember him coming at me and, uh, you know, shaping up and I just kind of, my eyes probably almost popped out of my head and he thought, oh, my God, okay, I'll leave this guy alone. <laughs> um, but uh, just addressing that, um, uh, it's, it's, what I perceive as you know, what can be very toxic mas masculinity and the way that um, men and boys uh, feel they have to express themselves physically and, uh, and impose themselves upon others. Yes.